The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss how to build fail-proof content for B2B. Joining us is Luis and Fonzie Camejo, who are the founders of BizBros, which is a modern media and content company helping businesses create and leverage daily content. And in addition to being the founders of BizBros, they are also the hosts of the Content is Profit podcast, which is a fellow member of the HubSpot Podcast Network. And today, Luis and Fonzie and I are going to discuss fail-proof B2B content. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Luis and Fonzie Camejo, the founders of BizBros. Luis, Fonzie, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Benjamin, what's up, man? Thanks for having us. I guess I should say welcome to a special COVID episode of the <laughs> MarTech Podcast for anybody who's listening to my dulcet tones and wondering why my voice sounds a little different. I caught the Rona, unfortunately. But we're going to power through. We're still going to record some content. We're going to talk a little bit about B2B. First off, you guys got a great podcast. You got a business where you're helping companies create their own content on a daily basis. Tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do. Ben, thank you so much for having us here. So a little bit about the base bros. We're actually brothers. And fun <laughs> fact, my name is actually Luis as well. So we're Luis and Luis. But so people can distinguish, I go by Fonzie. We say her mom was a marketer and she did that from the very beginning. It's like George Foreman, who has George Foreman, one, two, three, four, and five. All the kids are George. Yeah, that's a normal thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or that was Mario and everybody in the family was Mario. So my mom was like, no more. Everybody's Luis <laughs> now. But besides that, that's our like number one marketing move. We came to the States. We're actually from Venezuela. We came about 10 years ago to play college soccer. Our goals were a little bit different at that moment, but I'm going to give you the spark notes. Fast forward a little bit, and when we're done with college, we're looking at each other and just thinking, what are we going to do next? You know, there's a few limitations here for international students on whether how to stay in the country or maybe you got to go back home. You got to figure something out. And for us, that way was to start a business. So we started a little bit of everything. We did stickers. We did T-shirt screen printing, which was absolutely horrible. I mean, respect for those people <laughs> that do it. But if you're in Florida and you don't have an AC place and you are doing it in your garage, you're going to suffer. So avoid that one. And then we decided to transition into working on the computers, doing some digital marketing. We started doing a little bit freelancing here and there, working with restaurants, dentists, 
nutritionist. Really any business that will take our call yeah. at that point. You're in the ATM phase. You know what the ATM phase is? Yeah, we need cash. <laughs> Anything for money. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we were totally desperate. And we thought we had a business, but actually we were just freelancing, if you want to put it that way, right? And it got to a point where this was maybe about three, four years ago now that we did a pretty hefty investment in a sort of mastermind. And that's when everything changed for us, when we decided to focus specifically on the content post-production side of things. And that's when we started to grow and actually hiring team members, right? Editors, designers, and everything changed for us. Now, 2020, was it? The apocalypse? The apocalypse. Yeah. So 2020, when everything closed down here in Florida, we lost about 80% of our business. And that's when we actually started Content is Profit, the podcast. It was kind of like our, our Hail Mary <laughs> to see if it was going to save us, right? If it was going to bring a little bit more business our way and everything changed since then. So the good things about the coronavirus are, one, I've got dulcet tones right now and I can pretend to be Barry White. Beautiful voice. And two, some businesses that were local-centric businesses were focused to move towards digital, which gives you a better opportunity, a larger focus. You can start reaching with more clients. So talk to me a little bit about the type of content you were making and what did you discover that is actually fail-proof B2B content? So around that time, before we went full-time business, I was managing different fitness studios. So I was managing Orange Theories, F45s. And when we came in that world, we had different managers. And the transition between content and corporate to the studios per se was not ideal, right? So that was probably our first client that we built a custom framework really for their creation and then for distribution. And that was like the base of it. Now, shortly after we're pitching the same service to a table with eight different owners of small businesses. And they were like, where's your content? And at the time we weren't creating anything. It felt like we were scamming people really. <laughs> and then we're like, okay, how do we actually create something at the time with the freelancing and the time and the capacity that we had, it was really challenging to produce something. So we decided to do a challenge where it was 45 live, going live for 45 days to be consistent. That was the sole goal. So that was the base really on how we internally started to create content. And that was the base on how we then decided to create the show. Once the show was created, we decided to do a live show three times a week. And the first like 20 episodes, it was just me and Fonzie briefing about different topics that we were learning, that we were experimenting different stories that were happening day to day and sharing the lessons after that. After episode 20, we were like, okay, we're running out of content. What do we do now? And we decided to invite a couple of guests. Immediately after that happened, we saw the connection between the guests and a business opportunity. And right after that, after three weeks, we were able to monetize immediately. And then after three months, we were able to triple sales and start hiring different people. And we're like, okay, well, there's something here. We never really heard from anybody. We we're just focused on creating on our own platform. And it can't happen organically, but we were with our eyes open to make sure that these opportunities were happening. So around the time we ended up working with a real estate company, it was a $200 million company creating their content framework. And then they started utilizing that framework to build further relationships in their market. And that's when everything was solidified for us. And we're like, oh my gosh, podcasting as a platform is really powerful to build these relationships and create opportunities. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. 
No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. I feel like I want to be one of the biz bros, and obviously we're not direct blood relations, but honestly, your story sounds very familiar to how I feel about starting the MarTech podcast, where I was running an independent consulting business. I'm marketing and helping early and growth stage companies here in San Francisco, Bay Area, Silicon Valley. And I decided I needed to expand my network. And so I started recording the MarTech podcast basically as a way to reach out to people that I wanted to have as my clients to offer them some value. Hey, I'm going to create a piece of content for you to help build your personal brand. And my thought was that those would be lead generating opportunities or relationships. And what I found was they ended up being great promotional vehicles for the content I was producing. The people who I was interviewing ended up being promoters of the content. And then the podcast grew relatively quickly. And I decided not to try to upsell people into consulting services and keep doing what I'm doing now. Moral of the story is there's that framework that you have for creating a lot of content, which helps you build more relationships and also helps you market your content faster. Talk to me about the framework that you're using that's helping you create content at scale. Absolutely. So it goes back to a concept that we call the publishing pyramid. That's the base of everything. Fuzzy, you want to dive in and then I do M2M? Yeah, absolutely. So for us, like my brother mentioned at first, when we try to start creating the content before the 45 Live, even before we went live, we just try to do a lot of things. Our guide at that point was Gary Vaynerchuk, right? That he's like everywhere and he has a team, multi-five-figure teams that he pays for that is producing content consistently for him. And we attempted to like operate like, like that team. So guess what happens? You cannot <laughs> operate like that team when you have a whole bunch of things on your table. So we quickly realized, okay, well, we are just burning out in half a day because we obviously cannot produce this amount of content. So what is going to work for us? And honestly, I think this actually came up as a thought for uh, justifying or lack of volume in the content side of things. But we started telling ourselves quality of the message over quality of the production. Let's make sure we are nailed down on our message and then the production is going to come. So we started focusing on just that side of things. And eventually it started attracting the right people. It started growing a little bit and then we could add a little bit more of the production flair to it. Eventually, we're having this conversation in somebody else's platform, in somebody else's podcast, and we explain the whole process. And she's like, wow, I love this story. 
And immediately we broke down this framework that now we call the publishing pyramid, which to understand, you need to understand it from the top to the bottom, but then to execute it, you execute from the bottom to the top. So the very top of the pyramid is resources, right? Your capacity and resources. And usually people don't take inventory of their capacity and their resources when they start. They just go and say, all right, let's do this. And they overestimate what they can do in the short term. So they put a lot of stuff on their plate and then they burn out and they cannot do it. So understand your capacity and your resources. Then you go with your consistency. What is the cadence that I want to have? And then at the very bottom of the pyramid is the message. If you don't have a solid message that mm -hmm. speaks to the people that you want to connect with, guess what? You don't have a foundation. That pyramid is just going to fall flat. So for us, we decide, okay, cool. Quality of the message over quality of the production. And eventually it was kind of organic. Step by step, we started discovering, okay, we have a message. What is your cadence? And then eventually it was like, we don't have time to edit any of these things. Can we potentially hire somebody, increase our capacity? It was like a puzzle. We just put all these pieces together. And at the end of the day, we ended up with what we call the publishing pyramid now, which is the concept that we shared the most. And it seems to resonate with a lot of people. It really seems that a lot of people don't give thought, especially at the early stage, taking inventory of their capacity and their resources and to make the whole process work. There's a very interesting example with like that real estate company. The CMO came to us. He employs, I mean, right now it's hundreds of people. At the time that they came, it was about 80 employees. And he was investing about 20 hours a week of his own time to trying to create this flow of content. He was working through the office, trying to record everybody. Everybody was escaping from him. He was trying this for a whole year. And then he came to us, we sat and we're like, okay, let's do this inventory of the resources that you might have. And obviously they had a budget, right? They had all the equipment, they had a space to do all this stuff. And somehow he was still trying to execute it on his own as CMO for massive company. And then we're like, okay, look, we just need you for four hours. And he's like, four hours a week, I'm done. No, 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 four hours a month. That's it. That's all we need you for, right? And the initial framework that we decided to implement with him together with the company that we came in with was publishing a show. And then for them, it turned into an interview show that then we could leverage the content from there for different platforms. Blog, they ended up building a community. They micro content that some of it goes for paid media. Some of it goes to organic, but at the core of everything, the people that they were bringing was that main relationship that they want to develop, whether that was the downtown, the major of the city, different people, key investors and different things. So as they were adding their resources, right, they're starting adding those team members and they started expanding on their output as far as like content, but they had to start with like four hours a month. Eventually it turned out to eight hours a month because they decided to do two different days to add the request of the people in the community that they were building. So that was a, a pretty good example on how that was executed. And it became one of the corners of the things that we talk about every single day. All right. So there is the publishing pyramid, which is start with your resources. What was the second part of the pyramid? At the top, you see resources. Mm -hmm. Right at the bottom, you see like, what's your capacity? Whether that's money, or that's your team, right? If it's yourself, like what's your time capacity? Below that is your cadence. So what's your commitment? Are you doing this once a week, twice a week, three a week? Depends on the type of content as well. If it's micro content, maybe multiple times a day. If it's just a podcast, say weekly. And then at the bottom is your message. What is the thing that you're sharing with your audience, right? So we got to understand all those pieces at the very beginning. And then as we execute, we develop that message initially. Then we start putting the content out there consistently at a cadence that you can actually execute or your team can actually execute. And then at the top, we got to connect that with the revenue, right? So as you connect with the revenue, resources increase, and then you can reinvest in your pyramid and continue your flywheel to make sure that you're showing up everywhere. So Luis, you mentioned something, I think it was the M to M strategy as well. What's that about? Yeah, the M to M is the creation process that we do with our team. 
is short for macro to micro. There's no secret there. Oh, you're Gary Vander checking it. Yeah, but funny enough, it's funny because we heard all about it, but we never really saw his framework. And yeah, he was obviously the pioneer of it, but we're like, okay, we took what was relevant for us and the team at the time. And we're like, okay, initially, when we first started this two years ago, that level of production, we're like, how can we execute, right? So accountability over time. And we're like, okay, if we produce a live show, that's about an hour. From that hour, I'm sure there's a lot of pieces of content information that we can share that is valuable. So how can we strip it, right? And then we created that process, which is seven different stages that goes into the production, right? So for example, we grab, we record that episode, the initial stage, we call it value index, is how we select that information. Based on what? Based on your message from the publishing yeah. pyramid, based on a specific show, funny moments, polarizing moments. So that side of the value index is just, it's pretty important. It creates a database too on your content, right? It pretty much gets tagged. You got little synopsis of the piece of the special moments that you might find in the podcast. And all that just gets stored in case sometime in the future, you want to refer back to an episode instead of having to go over all of it. You can search specifically, let's say we're talking about sales. I can just start looking for the keywords. Oh, look, at this time on this episode, we talk about sales. Let's look at it. Does it make sense? Cool. We can use it, right? So we started creating this database. It serves two purposes. First purpose is easy for us to pick the right moments to share with the audience create top of funnel content, and then it creates a database. So when we want to go back and refer to content, or if let's say, Ben, you decide to go on vacation, right? And you decide to stop creating content for a few weeks, we can go back and always create more content out of that that has already been created before. Yeah. And then after that, the value index, the designer and the video guy, they just take it, own it. And then whatever it looks like, right? You got to be like, hey, I want to be in X amount of platforms. What platforms? And then hopefully if you have a team there, you either put them in that direction and they can execute on the creation process. My takeaway from our conversation is that the way to have fail-proof B2B content is to create lots of content. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to spend lots of time creating the content. If you're prioritizing your message over the content production that's what matters the most. And then once you've got a great message, when you have something to say, you could take those real intelligent words and you can break them down into multiple formats of content that's useful for your long form content, for your social content, and can also be repurposed over time. And that's really the way to create fail-proof B2B content. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Luis and Fonzi Camejo, the founders of BizBros. Join us again tomorrow when Luis Fonzi and I continue the conversation talking about six-figure platforms. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Luis and Fonzi, you can find a link to their LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact them on Twitter. Their handle is bizbrosco, that's B-I-Z-B-R-O-S-C-O. Or you can visit their company's website, which is contentisprofit.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out over social media. Our handle is martechpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.